the state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at an historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laugh as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. Let's give it up for our one and only super producer, Mr. Max Williams. They call me Ben, uh, depending on where I'm traveling at the time. I've been known to use some personas. And uh, Noel, I think you love traveling as well. Yeah, and maybe not so much under pseudonyms, but maybe I'll take a cue from 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 you, sir, and then and go down that road. What is one of yours? Uh, astronaut with a secret? Is that one of them? Did I make that up? Oh, huh. Max Powers, astronaut yes. with a secret. Yes. yes. Uh, <laughs> see, Max, you're getting it. You're you're intrigued already, right? Uh, what? Yeah, I got away with it too. Uh, and then the eye patch situation, right? Mm. Remember that one? Uh, of course, yeah. I gotta forget. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so the the point is that, you know, we're all big fans of travel here at Ridiculous History. And, you know, before we hopped on air, super producer Max Williams and I were uh, talking a little bit about his possible summer vacation plans. You just got back from a lovely trip in Berlin, Noel. And we have we have traveled often for work, but we also love to travel uh, just for funsies, for personal enrichment, to see the world. And that's something that is relatively new in the story <laughs> of human history, right? Yeah. I mean, do you remember there, there there had to have been a time where even just the phrase see the world was an enticing tagline for a brand new industry, a whole new world of leisure travel. Because uh, as we've talked about many times throughout the course of the show, um, depending on what era you're, you're, you're discussing, I mean, travel was 
not a luxurious thing at all, and it was really only reserved for the super wealthy who had a damn good reason for traveling a certain distance. Otherwise, it could be met with incredible hardships if you were doing it on foot or by horse during, you know, through rough terrain and weather and all of that good stuff. I mean, you know, even the super wealthy had to travel in these, like, carriages or litters or whatever, and lots of opportunities for things to go wrong. You know, wheels could get damaged. They could be met with bandits, brigands. On the on the on the highway and all that good stuff, uh, but it wasn't until the 1800s, uh, mid to late 1800s, that the idea of travel for funsies, as you say, Ben, really became a thing, really took off. And it was kind of by accident. It was one of those things where an industry sprang up entirely on its own as a result of somebody trying to do something completely different. Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of like how the experiments of early alchemists led to what we understand as chemistry today. Right. It's, it's fascinating. It, it is a really, it is a really strange and relatively recent situation, as you described, Noel. Like back in the day, when people were traveling long distances, they were either super wealthy or something very bad had happened. They had right. been driven out of their home by war or famine. They were just off to check out, you know, the ruins of ancient Rome. Or, or it could have been a diplomatic trip, something really necessary that required Maybe, an in-person yeah. uh, visit to deal with or treat with some other mm-hmm. high-powered individual, right? Right. Or a trade route. But in both of those uh, cases we just mentioned, uh, the odds were dangerously high that these people would run into some sort of disaster themselves. You know, being a diplomat didn't guarantee your safety in foreign lands uh, the way that it, it theoretically does today. But here's what happened. The Industrial Revolution comes about, late 18th century England. People are moving from an agrarian lifestyle to cities. We see the emergence of a genuine middle class in Western Europe and the U.S. All of a sudden, a certain type of person had a little bit of scratch, and they wanted to see the world, too. They wanted to, you know maybe buy books. They wanted to have some of the finer things in life. They wanted to live like the royals. Shout out to Lord. Uh, so with an E. So <laughs> like so you to, said, the got, Lord, you know, the, the Lord's the yeah. Lord of the dance, perhaps. <laughs> perhaps. I uh, played that character one time. It's very weird. Uh, anyway, so this is where we meet our protagonist. And uh, Noel, you set this up so beautifully. So there's a guy named Thomas Cook. And Thomas Cook is a religious figure. He's a pastor. He does not like the idea of people drinking booze. That's mm-hmm. one of his main things. He's super against it. He's a teetotaler. And so he uh, takes his message to the people. He's been doing this since the 1820s and 30s. He's walking on foot throughout, throughout England, throughout the countryside, talks to people. He says, don't drink, folks. If and, you know, hold speeches impromptu whenever they'll listen to them. If they won't, then he's basically throwing pamphlets at them to read oh, later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who is it? I think it's Mitch Hedberg. I got this joke where it's like, every time someone hands me a flyer, it's like they're saying, hey, you throw this away. It's yeah, exactly. similar with, with, with pamphlets. But this guy's basically like a Johnny Appleseed of finger wagging and pamphleting. You know, he's basically just distributing trash across uh, everywhere he steps. And I, I'm mm-hmm. sure that he converted some folks, you know, uh, to his way of thinking that booze was the devil's nectar and all of that good stuff. Um, but somewhere along the way, 
he uh, realized that there was a very big opportunity for him in Egypt because at this time, something called the Suez Canal was nearing completion and was going to cause, uh, was already causing a massive boom there in Egypt in uh, the capital city of Cairo where hotel proprietors were, you know, making money hand over fist and was really becoming a place that the super rich, you know, from Europe, And even America wanted to check out because of the Egypt craze, right? The idea of like the pyramids and, you know, mummies and all that stuff that really kind of, frankly, was somewhat disrespectful, if not entirely disrespectful to the actual culture and religious practices of uh, the Egyptian people. Um, And it continued on throughout pop culture and history and movies like The Mummy and all of that. You even had the Three Stooges hanging out with The Mummy. Uh, It really was kind of a weird bastardization of something that was very very sacred and holy, but it was fascinating to Western minds. And it was really starting to become something that was attracting a lot of dollars. Yeah. And he had been building to this for a while because when he was just straight up walking, when he was the uh, pamphlet peddling, teetotaling pedestrian pastor, he wasn't really touching a lot of hearts and minds. It wasn't until the world's first railway network opened up that he realized he could take his message, uh, he could uh, expand his message, or as the Simpsons say, embiggen his message in a way he never had before. He would bring other temperance fans with him to rallies across the kingdom. And then telegraph wires came into play, and he was able to direct his Temperist tours, he started to call them, from a remote location. And he realized quickly, this is this is what we're talking about, the accidental stuff. At first, he realized this mass transit would allow him to spread the message of teetotlery or teetotlerism, whichever you think is more fun to say, folks. At first, he thought, you know, this would be a good way to expand that. But then he realized he could make a buck with this. And so he put his missionary work on hold for just a second, he told himself, and started organizing sightseeing tours. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on-demand, temp-to-hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right, Noel. It's, it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. 
It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer, add your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month. Go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car. I'd get that car. And I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonneville's. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. In 1855, he went over the English Channel to France then took some folks to Switzerland. As soon as the American Civil War ended, he took some of uh, you know the English middle class across the Atlantic to New York. And then he would crowdsource the expense. He became the world's first travel agent when he was saying, okay, if you travel together, I will be able to get you discounts and I'll cover all your travel and all your transit. And alcohol this is where he starts to betray his old ideals. Alcohol isn't banned on these trips. It just comes at a really heavy additional cost. That's where he, that's when he realizes the Suez Canal is the go-to place. People are nuts, like you said, about mummies. Uh, they're uh, having mummy unwrapping parties. They're using them as cordwood or firewood. There are even people who are eating mummy ashes. It's wild, but everybody in Europe is all about mummies, especially when the uh, that French scholar deciphers the hieroglyphics on the Rosetta Stone. Cook cannot keep up with the demand. Mm -mm. Business is good. 
Yeah, exactly. And he's really stumbled his way into a burgeoning new industry. The term, by the way, that I was trying to think of earlier was Egyptomania, uh, which was mm-hmm. a thing, like, you know, in the same way that, like, uh, Beatlemania was a thing or uh, or Listomania, if you know. Uh, Franz Liszt was, like, the original mm-hmm. rock star uh, with um, ladies throwing their lacy garments at him whilst he played the piano and all of that. Shout uh, out Phoenix. And- <laughs> Phoenix, one of my favorite bands. So this service that Cook was offering was pretty revolutionary. He essentially had this these packages, these all-inclusive kind of deals that today seem super, super obvious because we've seen them a million times, sort of a proto-carnival cruise kind of situation. But at the time, it was something that nobody had ever really seen before at least folks who were not seasoned travelers. Uh, And we're mainly dealing with Europeans at this point, of course. So he was not referring to himself as a travel guide per se, but as Andrew Humphreys wrote in his book On the Nile in the Golden Age of Travel, Cook referred to himself as a travel chaperone. Because this was a time where women were not meant to be out in the world on their own without the care of a proper Ooh. chaperone. So that's the term that they were using because it kind of it gave an air of safety and upstandingness, right? I mean, he was definitely like still, you know, at heart a teetotaler. And he was still, I think, trying for that sort of influence. So I think maybe that, that, that affected his choice mm-hmm. of terms there. But this allowed a lot of women, you know, in the same way that, remember, uh, what was it, seaweed, gathering seaweed and making mm-hmm. seaweed collages really opened up women to, seaweed like, the outdoors. Exactly. Because at the time, uh, similar era, if I'm not mistaken, women, there were certain things they just weren't supposed to do because they were unladylike. So this allowed women to kind of venture out into the world. Again, I'm not, I'm just describing the times. I think this is all absurd, obviously, and uh, women should be able to do whatever they wanted, but it was a patriarchal society, so they had to go stepping stones at a time in order to get to a place where they could be fully able to do whatever they wanted. But Cook did, uh, yeah. for what's worth, um, create a situation that allowed women to travel without fear of being, you know, molested by mashers or what have you. And I just want to jump in and say something real quick. I love how much we like maligned the seaweed episode before we did it. We talked about how hard it was for us to actually make it. And mm-hmm. I think that's like the most brought up episode we have in like all of our episodes now. So far, so far. And yes, that's a good point, Max. I would argue if you haven't listened to that episode yet, one of the really impressive things is how it allowed uh, female identifying people entry into serious science, right? The misogyny was such at the time that they were not allowed to do so. But this also, I want to I want to give a shout out to Peter Schwartzstein over at Smithsonian, who wrote the great article, How an Alcohol-Hating English Preacher Founded Global Tourism. And yes, I used the phrase pastor a couple times, but that was that was just me freestyling. He's a preacher. Uh, so look, this is, there are some important points we got to hit here. First, this also kind of feeds into that middle-class ambition right. to travel like a wealthy person. Now you, you have a chaperone, you have an entourage, a, a sort of valet, and they they did enjoy these tours he definitely he being cook definitely was becoming 
more and more disassociated from his roots as he was pioneering this business. He wanted to embrace every new technology that would help him out with this. He founded a city, which we're going to get to in a second. This is one of the coolest parts of the story. Uh, he kind of founded slash took over a city. He had also gotten into um, the monopolization or vertical horizontal integration game. He started renting cargo steamships. In the past, when very wealthy people were cruising the Nile, they were on sailing boats. So he got steamships. He subdivided them in these tiny little rooms and he packed his passengers in like sardines in a can and took them on these three-week tours of various historic sites. And then other people saw that this was a good, I don't want to call it a grift. Other people saw this was a good business, right? Uh, and no one cared how disrespectful it was to actual Egyptian culture and people. So his American-German rivals hit the scene in 1880. Yeah, he also, I mean, like, spread a lot of uh, nasty rumors about Egyptians, like saying they were diseased and to, you know, not touch them or share your opera glasses with them (laughs) unless you get a disease of the eye or something. I don't know. It's Again, he wasn't respectful of the culture at all. And there was a lot of uh, capitalizing on this, this idea of exoticism and all of these like bizarre magical rituals and dark magic and all of this stuff. Um, because he really was kind of a grifter at heart, even if he started off with this um, intention of spreading the, the good word and, and preaching temperance and all of that stuff far and wide. He uh, really couldn't resist a good grift. He kind of reminds me of like, I've been, sorry, I'm, I'm deep in, in uh, Better Call Saul rewatch and, and been watching the new episodes. And that's a Slip kind of Jimmy. a trait. Slipping yeah. Jimmy. You know, he, he tries to be good. He tries to do good. But at the end of the day, he's always called back to the grift. He's addicted to the grift. And that's kind of what this guy is too. But he, you know, the idea of creating these like compartmentalizing, literally, they're called compartments, I think, or apartments, um, uh, cabins, I guess, in these steamships, that was revolutionary. And it's something that we still see to this day. I think finally the cruise industry is maybe getting a little bit back up and running. Remember where there are all those like, there's moored cruise ships when COVID hit where they wouldn't let anybody off because everyone yeah. had COVID. And it was like, they had to sit there, you know, until they were, they didn't even know what the incubation period was or how long it would be before they were safe. And they had to feed them through like slots in the door. It was just really a bad look for the industry. But um, not much has changed is, is all I'm getting at. Like they they still are these massive ships that are divided into these tiny little compartments and everyone eats at the same time. It really is kind of like a brilliant business model that uh, this dude Cook sort of uh, haphazardly stumbled upon. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting because he was creating a lot of these innovations in response to competitors, right? So he he didn't ever start out with this map of uh, his grand plan to start the travel industry. When his rivals come on the scene, he doesn't waste much time. He says, look, why am I going to bother renting rooms on cargo ships? I've got the cash now. I'm going to construct my own fleet of new steamships to stay ahead of the game. That's why I always think of this guy as kind of, he becomes a combination of Citizen Kane and Rick Steves in a non-drinking way. Cause he never, he never uh, betrayed his values to the point where he started tippling as well. But the thing is, he also had a lot of personal connections and nepotism helped him out too. The British empire was expanding up the Nile and he was, 
pretty tight with the armed forces, particularly when they occupied Egypt in the early 1880s. And then he did favors for them. His son, John, was mainly running the Thomas Cook Company by this time. And John was given the job of transporting hundreds of British troops upriver in his steamship to try to control Sudan. And according to Humphreys, this is the only occasion on which the British army has gone to war conveyed by private transport. So this is a lot of positive press. This also means that, weirdly enough, later on in life, veterans and officers might take a Thomas Cook tour out of nostalgia. Business is booming. So he's he's gone from, just to recap this, he's gone from walking on foot, talking about how he shouldn't drink, to organizing temperance rallies using railroad and telegraph to taking people on tours uh, via boats to renting steamships to building his own steamships to helping fight a war to now building his own city. You get, and he didn't, I mean, he didn't really build Luxor, but he definitely made it set it on the path it's on today. Yeah. There was a little cluster of, of homes, in um, a, a sandy area surrounded by some little temples. And he saw this and saw opportunity. He thought it was situated neatly near some of the ruins of Karnak uh, that were a popular tourist destination. So he figured, what the hell? And he dubbed this little region uh, Luxor. He built a boardwalk, or it was referred to as a corniche. I'm not familiar with that term. I like it, though. It sounds like a, a tiny pickle. That's a Cornish haunt. I don't know. Never mind. Um, and he populated. <laughs> Cornish hens. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Cornish game hens are also uh, delicious. Yeah. Uh, this is fancy food. You know, tiny pickles and, and, and game hens. Got to have a fancy name for something that's uh, more basic. So boardwalk will not do. It's got to be a Corniche. Um, but he, you know, he parked uh, a lot of his steamships there. They were allowed to unload their cargo. He had a few hotels built, one of which is still standing today, the Winter Palace. Uh, sounds like something that you'd hear, you'd, you'd see. This is like almost like a mini Atlantic City kind of vibe. You know, it really is like a city uh, that's designed for tourism. You know, it's like there's, there's people yeah. are like local there. It's, it's designed for these uh, out-of-towners. And it's because they're vacationing during the winter season in Europe. So now it's that's why they call it the Winter Palace. And a corniche is like a road along the coast, or a road cut into a cliff. Um, I personally prefer the hens and the pickles, but but yeah, it's a, it's a road. It's great. You're, you're right. He made a boardwalk, kind of. He made, he made like the ancestor of the boardwalk in, uh, what, what's the other one? Coney Island, for instance, would be mm -hmm. a, an example on par with Atlantic City. He is building this into an empire. It's already an empire at this point. They lean into the tourism aspect. It's where you want to be and be seen if you are a European tourist of note. This is where the discovery of King Tut's tomb is announced, right? When they're opening this, they, they announce it in the Winter Palace. Sometimes people will stay on the boats. Sometimes they'll stay on the riverbank in tents. Sometimes they'll even stay inside the ancient tombs because just like the cruise companies that would later emulate them, there are tiers in pricing. There are options. You know what I mean? You want a room with a window? It's going to cost you a little. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. 
With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on-demand, temp-to-hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool, I, yeah. I, I just remember, it was my dad's, I, I was a hand-me-down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car. And I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something, you know? I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac Bonnevilles. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Extra. Yeah, from the very start, he was doing these package deals, you know, and it was all right. kind of tiered package deals, all inclusive, but not inclusive of all, if you know what I'm saying, right? His Rick Steveishness takes him to the heights of business success. He passes away in 1892. Like, like I said, his son John had been running the business for a while. 
But the business doesn't end with him. It continues on. The family survives and the business survives through World War I. A lot of their boats get used as troop transports. His grandsons ultimately sell the Thomas Cook business in 1929 at the edge of the Great Depression, right before the world's economic collapse would cripple the tourism industry. And throughout the 30s and the 40s, the tourism scene in Egypt particularly crumbles. For a while, those fancy cookboats are just floating hostels, basically, for archaeologists. But maybe we can talk a little bit about, uh, maybe we can talk a little bit about Thomas Cook's tours. The business is still around. Maybe we can talk about Luxor. Do you guys ever read Wiki Travel? Do you know, do you read Wiki Travel, Noel? I'm sure it's come up in in, in my Googlings, but um, it doesn't ring a bell directly. Wiki, there's a wiki. Wiki version about anything. Why shouldn't there be one for travel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a fun way uh, to learn about a place you've never visited. It's also a fun way just to check the accuracy of any of these wiki travel articles. But I was looking up Luxor and wiki travel. Wiki travel is designed entirely like it's a crowdsourced thing for. Uh, any prospective traveler, and it's meant to be written by people who have firsthand experience. Sometimes also you can tell when it's written by people who live there and work in the tourism tourism industry, you know, where they'll say stuff like, Belarus is not as dangerous as the media would have you believe. We have 100% American-style pizza, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would... I would love. What is I would American style pizza? Isn't pizza Italian? What, what is American? Style? I know. I know. Isn't that crappy pizza? You don't want American style. Well, you see, want like you Sicilian it. style. Yeah, that's what. That's why that comment sticks in my memory. But you can see it laid out as like stay safe, where to sleep, what to eat, how to get in, how to get out, the language, the culture. It's a great read, and it's amazing that this guy entirely stumbled into what is now. Even even after surviving COVID, it's now still a billion dollar industry, right? Egyptian tourism is, you know, kind of at an ebb. It's it hasn't returned to the days of Egyptomania, but the Thomas Cook Group is still around. I didn't know this. They're an airline. What do you think Thomas Cook would feel like if he saw that? I'm sure he'd be stoked. He seemed like he was a relatively forward-thinking guy, but surely it's like a tiny little bespoke airline that only does little puddle jumper type uh, type flights, right? I, I've I've never heard of it. Eighty-two destinations. It's a lot, huh? They're all in New Jersey. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but they are a publicly listed airline, like you said, sort of a mini airline. I mean, that's that's it's impressive for an airline that I literally had never heard of until uh, researching for this story. But also, they continue to operate tours. And we mentioned that because of uh, some of the political and social uprising in Egypt, not nearly as popular a tourist destination. And that's a relatively recent development. In 2011, the Thomas Cook Group halted flights to Luxor, which is still relatively, you know, serves the same purpose as it did from the start uh, in 2011 when that revolution um, kicked off. But today, you've got about 100 of them. Remember those uh, those cruise liners um, that were there moored along the riverbanks uh, in Luxor? Well, today we've got about 300 of them just kind of gathering dust and sand, um, waiting for 
a resurgence in the tourist um, industry there in Egypt, which may or may not come. I hope it does. I'd love to go, but it's certainly not like top of my list. And I don't think it's 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 nearly the same. You know, you know. I mean, I always forget how closely situated Europe is to Africa, but you always right. hear about Europeans going to Morocco, uh, which I think is a little more stable and uh, and a little more seen as the kind of luxurious tourist destination that maybe at one point Egypt was, but but no longer. Yeah, I'm going to uh, I'm going to Morocco. Actually, <laughs> depending, I just keep waiting on COVID. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. I wanna I wanna eat some food in a tagine, you know. But we do want to give you a quick contemporary update because William Faulkner was correct when he said the past isn't past. <laughs> History is still with us. The Thomas Cook Company declared bankruptcy in 2019. Uh, it was 178 years old when it collapsed, and Along the way, uh, it made a lot of history. Also, want to give a shout out to Christopher Rose from Fifteen Minute History, who talks a, who has a great story about the curious case of the Thomas Cook Hospital in Luxor. So that's a story for another day. But we we do hope you enjoy it. We hope you enjoyed this. I don't know. Where's your dream travel, man? Oh man, I mean, I, I'm down. I'm definitely down with Morocco. Um, when I was yeah? when okay. I went to when I went to Paris not too terribly long ago, the folks sitting next to me on one of the flights were talking about going to Morocco um, after hanging out mm-hmm. in Paris for a while. So it's just a little bit of a of a, of a hop and a jump. I do want to add though, because I've really been interested in in recent uh, months in the idea of train spotting. You know, there's a movie, of course, about heroin addicts in, in Scotland with uh, Ewan McGregor, uh, really excellent Danny Boyle movie. This is it, they, it is what they're sort of what the movie's about. They don't really do too much of it. It's sort of one of those absurdist kind of titles that really doesn't have much uh, bearing on the actual plot. But there is this dude on TikTok and uh, Instagram who I love. He goes by the name. Um, oh, gosh, it's like. Thomas Bourgeoisie or something Bourgeoisie, uh, and he is a train spotter, and he just gets such joy out of watching these trains. He knows all about the different models and the different engines, and he describes the different stations, and it's a huge deal, you know, in 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 the UK and Europe. And um, he is probably very familiar with something called the Thomas Cook European Rail Timetable, which is often referred Ooh. to as the Rail Bible, which has uh, schedules for fifty thousand train, bus, and ferry connections to around 5,000 locations. It stopped publishing in 2013 because of issues within the company, of course, corporate downsizing and the like, after being published for 140 years. So I guarantee this is something that train spotters would be super familiar with. But John Potter, Mm -hmm. who used to work for the Thomas Cook editorial team um, because they branched out. They, they, they did these travel guides, you know, all kinds of stuff. I mean, this guy really did create a, a legacy of, of tourism um, and they capitalized on it for many years. This guy, John Potter, actually put out a second mortgage on his house to buy the rights to that information, which was proprietary. It was that he bought the rights to the timetable and this uh, proprietary software that was used to gather it all up. And now he personally publishes a new uh, edition of, of this information that you can get from his website. So if you're interested in that at all, check out europeantimetable.eu where you can get uh, all kinds of European train travel guides and timetables and all of that stuff. 
And this comes from a great little Mental Floss article. Although I disagree with the title, 11 Men with Extremely Boring Hobbies, uh, you can find that online today and learn more about it. And if you'd like a bit of subterfuge and mystery at the very end of today's show, if you want to travel the rails in a very different way, you're going to want something in the U.S., called The Crew Change Guide. It's a book that's beyond banned. It's a uh, secret book for a secret group of people. If you want to learn more about that, feel free to write to me on the internet. You can find me uh, on Twitter, where I'm at Ben Bolin HSW. You can find me on Instagram, where I'm at Ben Bolin, B-O-W-L-I-N. And Noel, you're on Instagram too, right? That's right. I'm on Instagram at Brown. You can check out my adventures and dipping my toe in the world of train spotting there. I'm just kidding. But maybe one day. Could be a cool hobby. Francis Bourgeoisie, by the way, is his name. Check out that guy. He's a delight. He wears this dorky, like, head-worn camera uh, when the trains come by. And it's one of those ones that, like, makes your head look really big on top of a tiny body. And it makes his eyes look really big and wide apart and far apart. I think he does it for effect. But um, he's gotten really, really popular. He's, like, friends with Harry Styles and Rosalia and all these, like, big UK pop stars. And they just love him. And he just embraced the the, the nerd in him that he... Uh, was there all along, and then during COVID, he really decided to make a thing of this. That was something that he was bullied about during school. But Francis Bourgeoisie, Max Williams, where can folks find your internet likeness, sir? Yeah, they can find me on Twitter. I stay off the Instagram so I can avoid my nemesis, Mr. Noel Brown. Fair. But you can find me at, at ATL underscore Max Williams, where, you know, you just see me posting about, you know, sports, Star Trek, trolling Ben Bullen. Spores? All I didn't know you were into spores. Oh, yeah, spores. Yeah, totally he's spores, a uh, mycologist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and thank you, of course, the one and only super producer, Max Williams. Thanks to Casey Pegram. Thanks to Eve's Jeffcoat. Thanks to uh, thanks to Jonathan Strickland, uh, our own uh, uh, armchair Egyptologist. I, I feel like Jonathan listens to these, and that's going to that's gonna stick with him for a while. So, Jonathan, wake up. At, if you woke up at 3 and you heard that, just stay awake, man. Uh, that's that's it for us today. Tune in soon when we are going to talk about a really classy apology. And maybe not, I don't think that spoils too much at all, but it's a really classy, weird apology. One of the classiest. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. 
Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop.